What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Something More Comfortable, the Black Velvet Experience. I am your host, the Bowtie Bully himself, Black Velvet, and I am joined by not one, but two very special guests. Hopefully, one of them will not make too much noise in the show, <laughs> but I am joined by my love, Miss Karen Lee. And my second love in this world, Miss Olivia Grace, that is hyphenated. Yes, you have to say the whole thing. You have to say it every time, just like a tribe called Quest. Miss Karen Lee, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yes. So, how are you? I am doing just fine. I am adjusting to my new role as mama so i am great indeed 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 and of course trying to adjust to being daddy is myself it is uh very 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 uh, tiring the hours are long <laughs> the yeah. boss the boss is very demanding extremely demanding Absolutely. but at the end of the day i feel like it's all worth it it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um, are doing an episode. It's going to be the birthing journey, not not the process before she was born, but just that space of time of her being brought into this world. A lot of uh, drama, I'm sure. A lot of people have experienced some of these things um definitely covid threw some extra levels of of drama and and stress and angst into the situation um but yeah we just thought we would share it's kind of funny because um olivia grace was born a little early but she was supposed to be born on essentially the day before our anniversary and so as kind of a you know been doing this for a couple like a what a year now the the, the podcast yeah, about, about yeah a, about a year yeah we on our second season and just thought that we would do like a, a quick uh little you know appreciation thing and so at the end of the show i am going to say what date our anniversary is so the only thing that you have to do is DM me or DM Miss Karen Lee. What's your at which which Instagram would you prefer? Uh, at uh, the Queen KL. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's the Queen uh, K W E E N underscore KL. Okay. So there or Black Velvet HD, and tell us what day is our anniversary, and when you do that, you will either win a T-shirt or a autographed copy of the book something more comfortable so with that uh, what i said dope oh i like that i like that prize yeah 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 um obviously uh no friends or family that would be completely unfair (laughs) because they wouldn't be very hard them to know that answer well the friends and family are our listeners they you know this is true this is true i think we should do a drawing okay 
Okay. We're still drawing. If you, you know, we'll give you some time. Uh, after this is put out, we'll put details in the in the description of the the release of the podcast as to how long you have to answer, um, and then we will draw uh, a, a name out of that out of the people that answer. That way, it's fair. Um, but friends and family can also participate. All right. Well, okay. There you go. Just saying. I mean, you uh, can do however you want to, Black Velvet, but I'm <laughs> put my little two cents in. Hey, yeah. Hey, again, y'all see why she is my better half because <laughs> sometimes she has far better ideas than I do. <laughs> and so we'll go with what she just said. So, yeah, at the end of the episode, um, we will put out in the details of the episode how long you have to tell us what day is our anniversary and then we will do a drawing and uh we will like i said still five people it still will be five people but yeah it will be based on um whoever answers the question um correctly correctly so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would need to be, not just answer it but answer it correctly Correct. uh-huh. um but yeah so so yeah we will do that um, it's been a while since I have done a poem and I recently did a poem for the Miss Lovely Karen Lee. Um, I, please don't, don't judge me. I, I did it while driving down the highway. So unsafe. Please don't text and drive. Yes. Don't text and drive. Please don't, don't create and drive either. Don't create and drive unless you're doing it in your head. You can create. Right. Pay attention to e- the road. Exactly. Exactly. Um, or or you could you could do the thing where you tell the phone what it is that you want it to say. Yep. That's that's safer than. Yeah. Typing. So do it that way. Yeah. Um, also, before we start this episode, I just want to say that there will be some very graphic um conversation so if that affects you or offends you in any way please stop listening now meaning we're going to discuss all the all the physical things that come with uh with childbirth uh so so if you're a little squeamish and you don't do very well with descriptions of body parts and all of that then this might be a very good time for you to uh, after after the poem, right. it might be a good time to kind of duck out. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you and know, then come back at the end if you want. <laughs> right, hold that one finger up and tip on out like they did in we church. We can also put in the description the time mark for when you need exactly, to come back. <laughs> exactly, you know what I'm saying. So hey, we'll we'll let you know here. Here's the time to to come back in. But yeah, um, yeah. so I don't actually have a title for the poem, um, but the poem goes like this, and this is the first time besides her that anybody actually she's only read it too so it's the first time anybody's actually hearing me say it so it says head over heels but never allow her crown to touch the pavement love to remind her daily that my roots are on purpose not the rocky soil of expectation attempt to anticipate her every need before she can even formulate the hunger Pre and post production, EQ in the levels through the peaks and valleys, establishing a baseline as to normalize our Congress. No pounding, slow motion, so she can feel every inch 
of my intention. Bigger than the climax. Deliberate is the narrative. Our story was written long before there was a heartbeat. When self-destructive tendencies tended to weigh heavy and could only pray that the sins of the father would not snuff out the promise of children. Lay dormant under the rubble of dreams deferred. Not good enough, so settling for runner-up. Lost in the pleasure of pleasing. Becoming someone else's stunt double. Until the scene called for the star. Nights trying to find even the residue of you at the bottom of a bottle only to be found empty, and the demons grew louder and the tears fell faster, hidden behind a veil of judgment, waiting to be uncovered. She applauds my patience, but it was perfected in waiting for me to accept me. Learn to stop washing away the unseen, trying to, learn to stop trying to wash away the unseen, Trust enough to pin my laundry up. She is the first expression of the afterthought. For her, I don't play house, but make one. Am captive audience to her cries. No need to pacify. Encourage her to strip those truths that are out of style. Find what lies resonate with her spirit. Remind that canker worms are for but a season. And what is restored is hers alone to harvest. My love, the duty of servants, planting and watering. My wage, to marvel at the increase. All right. So there's that. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. All right. So, as always, we let the woman start. And in this case... There is only that there would only be that way, seeing as it it started with her. Life started with her, not with me. So, Miss Karen Lee, please begin the journey of birthing Miss Olivia Grace. Grace, okay. Well, um, I know you said that we're going to start from when this, you know, the the beginning of my labor or the beginning of being, you know, in the hospital, but. Uh, in order to get there, it requires me to go back just a tad to kind of give some background. So, um, so yeah, we found out in January that I was pregnant. And from then until week 35, everything was smooth. <laughs> it was it was a really easy pregnancy considering how it could have been much harder than it was. Um, I am a diabetic, so um, as far as... Uh, keeping my blood sugars regulated, I had no problems keeping my blood sugars regulated at all. Um, They changed my medication regimen because what I was on, they weren't sure was going to be safe for the baby. So um, they changed my regimen. And then um, I had, uh, because of the diabetes, they try to make sure they protect my kidneys. So they put me on a blood pressure medication. Um, And they had to change that, of course, because they didn't know how that was going to affect the baby. Um, well, in that case, they knew that that, that uh, the medication that I was on could be harmful to Olivia Grace. So, uh, so they uh, stopped that and put me on something else. So, beginning of pregnancy to week thirty-five, barely any nausea, nothing, just a smooth pregnancy. 
Um, week 35, I go into the doctor's office and this is about when I start doing appointments that are twice a week. Um, because, because it was of my diabetes and, um, my cervix being a little shorter and all these other things, I was a high risk pregnancy. So I went to, um, so I went to, a, a maternal fetal medicine office to, to, for my care for my pregnancy. Um, but week 35, of course, as protocol, per protocol for this type of office, I was going to see them twice a week. That's when things went weird. Um, 35, week 35, yeah. uh, they they did uh, some checks on me. They put some monitors on me for, for Olivia Grace just to check her movements and her heartbeat. And week around week 35, her her movements started getting funny. Like she, you know, she was moving fine, but her heartbeat wasn't, wasn't doing the, the variations that they wanted it to do. And, but then they would do an ultrasound and she was fine. She was just fine. So, um, but they would check my blood pressure and they're like, okay, it's, it's starting to creep up, you know, but you're doing well, you've done so well so far. And I didn't have any protein in my urine. So they were like, oh, you probably, you know, no, no, they weren't thinking preeclampsia. Week 36, I go in and the same thing happens and it's getting kind of like, okay, that blood pressure is really getting scary, um, but we're going to keep monitoring you. You're going to be back in a few days anyway, so it looks okay. Uh, and around that time, that uh, my second appointment that week was when things, they were like, okay. So um, I believe it was Friday, the day before it turned week 37 yes because I would change weeks I would go up to the next week on Saturdays I, I thought it was Fridays but it was Saturdays yeah. so Friday 30 week 36 I go to my appointment and they put me on the monitors for Olivia Grace and she's sleeping so it's showing that her blood her her um, heart rate isn't doing the variations that they'd like it to do which is what we've seen her do over the past couple weeks but then, you know, her heart rate goes back up like it normally does and everything. But my blood pressure is scary. Um, I believe it was like it was showing up like 170 something over like 91, 92. Like it was pushing, pushing really scary. Um, the severe rate is 160 over 90. Oh, no, 160 over 110 is the severe rate. But of course, they kept checking my blood pressure, and the high, the the top number ended up, you know, it was continuously over one sixty. So, I'm in the office, and and to to preface this, I'm sorry to go back a little bit. We had scheduled an induction already prior to that appointment. Right. We had scheduled it for week thirty eight, which would have been the the. That Saturday, that's, that next Saturday, that so following the, Saturday, so the thirteenth, fourteenth, yes, the third, yeah, the thirteenth. Actually, they had moved it to that following Monday, right, 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 because we wanted um, Black Velvet <laughs> to get there, yeah. um, because of course he's in St. Louis. I'm giving birth in North Carolina, so we wanted to make sure that the induction was scheduled. And I was adamant. I was like, I really need for my partner to be here while I during the birthing process and I need to be there. Um, so they, I was like, I, I would like to schedule this induction. Let's get it down in the book so that I can tell him and we can plan. 
Well, of course, week 37, I go in the doctor's office and the, do- and the doctor comes in and she's like, okay, your blood pressure is scary. And it's causing me to be concerned because this is the, the next week, second week that it's been running high. So we're going to tell you to go to UNC Chapel Hill Labor and Delivery so that they can monitor you, but be prepared because the chances of you giving birth now are high. <laughs> so I'm hysterical <laughs> in the doctor's office because I had I was like, I'm almost there. I'm so close to week 38. And 38, of course, would have been a perfect time, you know, for me as far as having her because, of course, that's like full term. Consider, well, 37 is considered full term, but it would have been another week for her to be in the oven, you know. So I felt very comfortable at 38. 37 scared me. So, but I said, okay, obviously I need to go. So I go home. My mom is with me, thank God. And we get bags and head over to Chapel Hill. My dad is dropping us off. Get to Chapel Hill. Uh, I, we, I gave birth at UNC Chapel Hill. And um, I get in there. And they, uh, you know, go ahead and check my blood pressure and everything. It's still high. And they talk to me and they say, these, this is, this is preeclampsia. Um, and for a, for a lot of pregnant women, the only sign is high blood pressure. You could ha- I didn't have any other symptoms. I had some swelling, barely any swelling on my feet, but not enough to, for, to alarm me. Um, nothing, none of the other symptoms, no protein in my urine. Like I always came back negative when I did a, a dipstick test. None, none of the, the, the signs of preeclampsia except for the high blood pressure. Right. So because it's preeclampsia, they got to give me magnesium (laughs) to prevent me from having a stroke or a seizure during this process. These are all things I found out later, by the way. These they're just like, we're going to put you on magnesium. That's it, period. This is what we're going to do. So, of course, they're telling me all the rules that come with magnesium, meaning that I can't get out of bed at all. I'll have to be on it through the entire process of giving birth as well as 24 hours afterwards. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, um, so of course, like all the weird things happen with my, my, my veins were being funny. So they had to get, they tried to stick me several times to get an IV in, which was painful. Uh, and then they finally got the anesthesia guys in there to find a vein cause they will find a vein. They will find one. Right. Without fail. So <laughs> right. They have to, they have to. So they had, they, they put me, put, uh, put up, uh, finally got an IV in. Um, and I, I, I wait, <laughs> I wait. Um, but, but they're like, okay, well, we're going to start the process of inducing you at some point, but we got to try to get your blood pressure down. So that with the magnesium, they're doing that. Plus they're pumping me full of medication to bring my blood pressure down. Eventually they get it to a pretty stable number and they start the induction process, which, at, um, requires a Foley ball. Were you there at that point? You still weren't there. Well, yeah, because you haven't you haven't uh, gotten to the part where you called me. Wow. Okay. No, no, no. I'm saying this is in between. Yeah. In your story. Yeah. yeah, You haven't got there yet. So (laughs) after. Yeah. No, because I've been texting him and he hadn't been responding. That's what happened. Yeah. And it's because you were asleep. You were you had just gotten off work and you were resting. Yeah. And so I was and I was actually it was my 
the first day of my weekend. Right. But yeah, but you had just gotten off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, I got into the room cause they had given me the magnesium in one room, but then they transferred me to the room that I was going to be in. Get me to the room that I'm going to be in. And I call him because it, it's, it's, they're telling me they're going to induce me. And I haven't been answering. And you haven't <laughs> been answering. So I call him and I say, Hey, they're going to induce me like now. So he gets on the highway <laughs> and then starts the process of my, of, of me being induced. So they come in, uh, and they tell me, okay, we're going to try a Foley ball. And because of my, because I had my ch- childbirth classes right before I gave birth, um, they had told me what the Foley ball is. Um, and I was like, I don't really want that. And they were like, why not? And I said, because it's painful. And they said, it's probably the best way to get you started in labor because they didn't want to give me Pitocin right away. This is probably the best way to get me started. And I was like, Ugh, okay, fine. Well, what a Foley ball is, is uh, it's, it's basically a balloon that they put inside of my cervix, blow it up to three centimeters. And my cervix will dilate to three centimeters and then the Foley ball will be easily removable if, you know, when I dilate to that, to that number. So, um, so I go on in there, put the Foley ball, blow it up, uh, and leave me, (laughs) leave me to, uh, basically dilate to the three centimeters. So, um, that started, uh, the process. Well, kind of. So um, all this time I'm, I'm laying in bed because I can't go anywhere. I can't get up, can't do anything. Uh, by the way, I can't eat or drink anything either once this magnesium started. Mm. So it was a couple, it was a few days before I got anything deep. But anyway, so. Mm. Yeah, four. it was almost four days. Yeah. So I asked them, I said, well, how are you going to keep my blood sugar up if, you know, if you can't if I can't eat anything, they said, well, we'll give it to you in an IV. (laughs) Fun. So there's all these things. So because I'm on magnesium, I can't get out of bed. And because, um, you know, of all of this, they gave me a catheter. So I've got a catheter in, so I don't have to get up to go to the bathroom, but that's fun. And, uh, so, you know, I'm just sitting there waiting for me to be dilated to three centimeters. Uh, eventually I get up to three, they remove the Foley ball and I, I wait, you know, wait to see what happens. Then they come in they say, okay, we're going to break your water <laughs> so to see if that'll speed the process up even more. So they come in, they break my water, um, which by the way is becoming one of the most uncomfortable things in the world is for them to check me. Um, but it gets even worse after they break my water. So, uh, they did that. What? No, I was just nothing. Because I'm, I'm there at this point. You're there? Yeah, I'm I'm there at this point because... When they broke my water the first time? Yes. Okay. Because remember, she came in and you begged her to stop. And she wouldn't. That was the second time. That was the second one? Yeah, that was oh, the second time. Oh, my God. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my mom is still in the room when this happens. Because I, because this is before my epidural. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, I yeah. wasn't there for that. You've missed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Before you got there. So, um, so they broke my water the first time 
And, uh, you know, I'm just waiting. I'm just sitting there. You know, everything's cool. And, uh, you know, I'm start I'm starting to feel achy. Like, I don't know why I'm hurting and I'm uncomfortable. And I'm like, why am I? I'm like, this doesn't feel good. Like, I can't sleep like this. And they're like, oh, you're having contractions. Like, just because you're <laughs> just because you're laying here and you're not really in full blown labor, you're still having contractions. That's what hurts. So <laughs> so they um they're like, OK, well, uh, you know, let us know if you need any medication, what you want to do and we'll give it to you. So I tried to stick it out. I tried to stick it out as long as I could. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to sleep through this pain. So I said, yep, time for that epidural. So they came in. The weirdest experience ever for me is getting that epidural. Because, you know, the only thing that really hurt it, hurt that, the only thing that really hurt for me um, was them numbing me to put the needle in or to put in the, the catheter in my back. Um, yeah. So <laughs> once they numbed me, the only thing I could feel was when they were testing to make sure the placement was right. So, but it wasn't, it didn't hurt. It just felt like pressure until they hit a space that wasn't numbed. <laughs> then that hurt, but you know, it, it wasn't that bad. They got the epidural placed smooth sailing kind of after that, as far as contraction pain is concerned. So um, at this point, it hadn't been, you know, after I got my epidural, I slept for a good long while, just waiting to dilate even further. That's when you came. Ah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. when I showed up. Yeah. In the middle of that, they came, they gave me Pitocin because I they kept coming in to check me. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't moving any further. Um, but they gave me Pitocin just to see if I, if my, if my surface would dilate anymore. The problem is they had to keep test checking me to see how far along I'd gotten, you know, and right. every time I was still at three, three and a half, like I hadn't gone past three and a half centimeters. Um, but after a while, after they kept checking me, they noticed that they pro they thought, well, you know, what's probably happening is that there's a sack of fluid in between your cervix and the baby's head, you know, um, which is, is, preventing her from moving down and I said well okay and they said well, we gotta we gotta get that again like we gotta go in and and pop it like we did with breaking your water <sighs> so I said okay and at that point you're you're in there so that's when uh they check me again and because they broke my water the first time I feel much more um and this is really painful. So what they basically do is insert a couple of fingers just to see how, you know, dilated I am. But of course there, it feels like they're going for my throat. Um, that's, that's how deeply, and, and it's amazing because I have an epidural in and you think I wouldn't be able to feel it, but, right. Oh yeah, I can feel it. Um, so of course they're checking me and they feel that of course there's a sack of fluid in between her and my cervix the opening so they take that hook insert it into my cervix pull it again and of course fluid comes rushing out of me because they didn't get it the first time so <laughs> so all that happens and I, you know uh, during that process it was very painful and I asked them to stop but of course she did not she was like it's right here and I was like okay just go for it but hurry up because this is ridiculous 
So, um, so they, they did that still waiting to see how far along I dilate. I, I'm not moving at all. Um, so this happened. So I went into the hospital Friday, Friday morning. This is now Saturday afternoon and you're there. Mm-hmm. And I still hadn't moved past three and a half centimeters. <laughs> but it's like we're playing a waiting game just to see like how this is gonna go. Um and nothing happens. I, I they kept checking me. I still don't move past three and a half. Still nothing. They you know, and they're still they still got Pitocin pumping into you know, to me into me, which is of course the drug that, that helps your, your body. It's the hormone that we naturally pr- produce to go into labor and to move our bodies into childbirth. Um, of course, they give it to you in a synthetic form um, to try to move along labor. But it wasn't doing much for me. Um, I was my and of course, it's because I was at 37 weeks. Like my body wasn't ready to to she wasn't ready to go. She was re- she wanted to stay in there for a couple more weeks. Um, and I and my body was re- ready to let her. So um and of course I couldn't get up to let gravity do its thing. So I just stayed there at three and a half and come Sunday morning, they came walking in and looked at me like, well, uh, you're probably not going to get any further than this. It's time for a discussion about a C-section. So, uh, which we kind of knew was going to happen because at that point it, it was like I'd been in labor and and not full blown labor. I was still stuck, and I it doesn't didn't look like I was gonna go any further because I my body wasn't going there. So they prepped me for surgery. Um, told me, and it's funny because when you go through, ch- oh, okay, <laughs> when you go through childbirth classes, they don't really discuss what a cesarean is like because it's childbirth class. They they think that. You know, this is the, they discuss labor and pushing and all the things that come with a vaginal delivery and don't discuss what it's like to have a C-section. Um, but, but basically what they did was, uh, because I had an, uh, already had an epidural, it was going to be very easy for them to numb me. Um, so they gave me medication to handle, uh, for my stomach to handle the anesthesia. Um, they made sure that my, that they gave me antibiotics. They made sure that they gave me medication to help me with my blood sugar and her blood sugar. Once she came out, um, all, all these things they gave me before I went into surgery. Um, I went in, uh, they wheeled me into the operating room, OR2. (laughs) And, uh, and they, started giving me medication to try to numb me. Um, the ner- the the anesthesiologist kept poking me. She said, you're going to feel sharp pokes. When it starts to feel, uh, when you are at the point where uh, you don't feel the sharp pokes anymore, let me know. So they're poking me and poking me. And uh, I still feel the sharp p- p- um, poke. Um, and then... Uh, they kept giving me medicine. They just kept giving me syringes full of, <laughs> full of drug to numb me. Um, and it's, I mean, I still was feeling it. So uh, eventually they gave me enough medication to numb my, the bottom half of my body. And that's when they brought uh, Black Velvet in 
and uh, he was able to sit with me, you know, of course they put the screen up so they couldn't, you couldn't see the bottom half of my body. Um, but they brought him in so that we could go through the cesarean. Um, and you know, they warned me ahead of time that I could vomit, um, because of the anesthesia. Um, but the, my anesthesiologists were fantastic. Like they, the minute I said, I feel nauseous, they were like, Oh, we got something for that. Hold on. They gave me medication. They kept trying cause I kept getting nauseous and they kept giving me medication. Eventually it got, it got ahead of me and I did vomit. <laughs> I did vomit twice. <laughs> um, and I, you know, what's funny. I think she was out by then. Cause you were over on the side where she was. You didn't even see me vomit. No, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you didn't even see me vomit. Um, yeah. So, so do you want to talk about the cesarean pro uh, um, process? Because I was kind of in and out as far as I really had no clue what was going on. Like I, I kind of remember everything during the C-section is kind of foggy. So, um. I, honestly, I didn't really get to see much of anything. Just more or less, I know the as far as the process, they you know them saying what level they were on and how far they were because you know like, but they're not talking to us; they're talking to each other, mm -hmm. and obviously we can just hear them talking to each other. Right. Just the fact of like what level they are as far as skin and then fat and then um, muscle and then uterus and then how far back she is and then saying how much that there's going to be pressure. And then, um, I mean, I want to say what we didn't get past the fourth song of the playlist. She was already out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So by then, yeah, she was already out. The whole process was probably about what, an hour? Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, the surgery was really quick considering what all has to be done. Like, like you said, cutting through four layers of my of skin, fat, muscle, and then my uterus, and right. then pulling her out is, you know, is, is a lot. Um, but they do it quickly and and skill skillfully. Right. Um, and the moment <laughs> that they took her out and put her... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, um, so, like she said, there is a curtain up a, in front of us so there's two curtains is actually a clear sheet and then like a blue sheet mm -hmm. where they remove the blue sheet and hold her up against the plastic. Well, obviously not directly against it, but against the plastic so that we can see her face and is like, yeah, absolute shambles at that point. Yeah. It, yeah. So it was, yeah. man, cause it, it, yeah, it is real. Then it's absolutely, you know what I mean? It's all conversation up until, that moment it's like yeah you see her her belly getting bigger and all that stuff but at that point it's like it's real you see her face there's a real person there and then and it's funny because like you said you don't remember half the stuff that was going on and then I didn't see that you threw up because I was over with her and it's mm -hmm. like there's all these things that you see in the movies and it's like and they don't do any of that stuff and maybe they did at one point maybe back in the day they did like wipe off i don't even remember they did they, they back in the day they didn't realize the the benefits of the of, of the the what i don't even remember the name right. of it 
uh, of the material that is on the baby when they are that born. white stuff. Yes, that they, white back, stuff. Yeah, back in the day, they used to wipe all that off because they didn't realize the benefits that that the baby that the baby that that stuff had on the baby. Right. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because even for me, as somebody who felt her and felt her movements and knew that there was a person in in there. <laughs> It didn't hit me until I saw her face. You know, it's like, it's almost like this could be fake. <laughs> even okay, though, it fe- right. you know what I mean? Like, even, yeah, yeah, though, yeah. even though I feel her and I know she's there, like, you know, everything that I'm doing, it revolves around t- making sure that she's healthy, you know? But it's it's the minute she's actually out, it's like... Right wow like she was really in there right yeah and i really did that you know it's it's a it's an amazing feeling just seeing her man yeah poof here she is right and i was yeah and then even then it's still like not really and it's it's funny because the only thing i can equate it to though i've never won an nba championship or any other (laughs) (laughs) championships but it's normally what they say like at the end when they're interviewing them at the table or whatever and they're like how does it feel and it's like it doesn't feel real yet it's like right even though I know I won even though it's like it still isn't real to to accept like okay it's like and then I get you know I get to hold her and all that and it's like okay now all right it's still not even real then, but I think after a while it, it became like, oh, okay. All it right. sets in. It's like, wow, this person, she's really here. Right. And it's, so, so she's out, but then there's all this other stuff that has to happen after she's out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she or she's out, but you're, you still have a gaping hole in your act. Right. <laughs> right. So the rest of the time is spent sewing me up. Right. So, of course, they sew layer by layer, sewing up my uterus, sewing up the muscle layer, sewing up the fat layer, sewing up my skin, all of that. Right. Yeah. Well, so actually the the skin layer is not sewn. Oh, sorry. Yes, not sewn. They put the, the um, dissolvable suture on, yeah. on that. And, and glue. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the glue. Oh. Dissolvable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't. No. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. The right. dissolvable sutures are inside. The, right. The dissolvable yes. sutures are inside. The glue is, the, on the is on the outside. Yes. Because they were, because obviously anybody that's ever had a C-section in the past, you know, you have that big, huge scar across mm-hmm. and they try to avoid having that scar now. So rather yeah. than sew it or do any other thing, they glue the skin over itself and allow it to heal back to itself. Yep. You can't even really tell that it's there now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Bizarre. It's only been six weeks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, today. It's six weeks today. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny because I think the hardest. Yes, actually. I was going to ask you that. What was the hardest part was, for you? But before I do that, what was the hardest part? <laughs> which Which is hilarious to even try to ask you that. Um, well, really, you haven't even finished like the whole rest of it, or do you want to wait? 
Well, yeah, let's get through the, what what all this is. So, okay. yeah, so they sew me up. She's over on the on the table getting checked, getting weighed, all that good stuff that comes with, you know, checking on baby, cutting the umbilical. Did you cut the umbilical cord? I did not. You didn't? I did oh, not. that you can't because they have to get her from me and right. move her to the table. Yeah, so I did not get to cut it. Yeah. So so yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. I didn't realize that yeah, until no. just now. That really sucks. Yeah. There's all these things that happen during a, a C-section that made me feel some type of way, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Right. Um. So yeah, they're checking on her, making sure she's good. Um. And then uh, we are put into the recovery room in labor and delivery. Uh, I am able to breastfeed her immediately. Thankfully, we do skin to skin while I'm on the operating table. And I even fed her a little bit while she was on the while I was on the operating table. Yeah, they they uh, the nurse kind of I can't remember what they call that, but basically it took us expressed manually. Expressed. Yeah, yeah. Took yeah. a spoon and like mm-hmm. took a little out and then poured it into mm-hmm. her mouth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it, it was like, OK. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she was able to get some some uh, some of my breast milk. Uh, at, at the beginning, yeah. Cl- what is it called? Colostrum. Colostrum. Yes. Um, Again, things that most of us don't know is that breast milk does like actual breast milk. What we know to be breast milk does not come for like three days. Mm-hmm. The first three days is this really thick yellow substance called colostrum. There we go. Hey, look at that. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's like, I, it was like, wait, what? I was like, wait, what? I've never even, I've, I've been around, yeah, it's like, but what? I've never even heard of this stuff, but yes. It's some amazing stuff. That yeah. It's like a whole lot of nutrients and a whole lot of good stuff to help them the first few days of life. Right, really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was able to do that, do some skin to skin while I'm on the operating table and they're sewing me up. Uh, finally get me sewed up, finally get her together, and then we're will to the recovery room. While we're in the recovery room, the pediatric PA comes in. I don't even remember her name. What do we want to call uh, her? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to say. Anyway, we're not going to call her any names. Right. She she did what she felt it, like she needed you to know do what? to take care of our we daughter. We will call her TB. Oh, Lord. That's what we're going to call her. TB. So, so she comes in and she has a thing where, okay, so because I, I knew ahead of time that I was going to have to have a COVID test before, well, well, they told me in the, um, when I was seeing the doctor that when I got into the hospital, I was going to have a COVID test. So I knew before I even got to the hospital that that was going to happen at some point. I had a COVID test while I was in the hospital, came back negative. Every time TB came into the room to check Olivia Grace, she would, does everybody have their mask on? Does everybody? And she would like continuously knock on the door and ask that question. Does everybody have their mask on? As she's trying to enter the room. Right. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, girl, (laughs) I'm negative for COVID. Right. Obviously. Like. Right. And, and I, and the thing is, is that at this point, she is the only person 
it, it would be different if there were like, you know, every nurse, every doctor, every single person coming into the room was doing that and, or, or just saying like, Hey, that is the, is the rule. Like you have to have it on at all times. But right. Blah. Nobody ever said that. No one except for TB. Yeah. Which only made everything else that happened that much worse that much worse right so she comes in she checks olivia grace and then she checks her blood sugar now because of my diabetes and because of the way my blood sugar was running before i gave birth olivia grace's blood sugar was low so she said well the doctor's gonna want you to do some uh, do some glucose give her some glucose i was like whoa 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 <laughs> i said oh, give her sugar to bring her blood sugar up right now? I said, I haven't even fed her. And they were like, yeah, well, that's what the doctor wants you to do. I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, I will feed her. And if for some reason you check her blood sugar again and it comes back low again, sure, we'll discuss glucose. But that is not the first option. We will, I will feed her first. Right. <laughs> and, her, <laughs> and her temperature was low. So I was like, but that's because, I mean, I hadn't fed her. We had fed her. I, you know, they, they took her off of me, you know, after I fed her a little bit in the operating room, but then she was out of the room. She was back in that cold hospital room. Yeah. Um, and so I said, well, let me do some more skin to skin and then put her, you know, put her under the heat, heat lamp, um, bring her some heat and I'll breastfeed, you know, I, let me do that. Sure enough, I feed her, do some skin to skin, temp comes back up, blood sugar comes back up. It's normal. I was like, see. A lot of this is following instinct. I'll go, go just go ahead and say that a lot of this was what does my instinct tell me? Right. And they don't know everything. As much as they'd like for us to believe that they know everything, they do not know everything. And my spirit told me to feed my baby. <laughs> do not let them give her sugar for no reason. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> After I we were in recovery and I was able to have a little liquid food like chicken broth and uh, what was that? Oh, that Italian ice they gave me. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. man. I, <laughs> let me tell you, like there is nothing like having an Italian ice when you haven't had anything to eat for three days. <laughs> right. <laughs> I gobbled that stuff up. It was so good to me. Um, but they gave me that. And then they said, OK, well, you're done over here in labor and delivery. We're going to send you to the hell floor, <laughs> which was not the hell floor. I don't think that's what it, what, what, what the official <laughs> name of it was. The official name is not that. It is antipartum <laughs> is the official name of it. It is antipartum. Specifically, Ooh. the reason why we have to go to antipartum yes. is because re regular recovery for delivery is up on the fifth floor. However, because of the magnesium, yep. it has to be the third floor. Antipartum. Antipartum. And go. It sucks. <laughs> so so not only do I have to be on magnesium for an extra 24 hours after Olivia Grace is born. Um, we're on the floor with, it, se it seems like nobody really knew the what rejects. to do. Like, it just seems like, like we went from heaven where ev every single nurse Every single person we ran into on the labor and delivery floor knew exactly what to do. Like they didn't question, like they didn't ask me what I thought as far as like, right. 
do you think we should check your blood sugar, blood pressure now or wait 10 minutes? Right. Girl, if you don't put this cuff on me, like, you know, like we didn't have to deal with any of that on labor and delivery. You know, it was like we are competent enough to know that that this is kind of the stuff that needs to happen. Right. Um, we're going to explain things to you. That, now, these are the nurses now. Some of the doctors didn't explain Jack to me, but the nurses were like, here's what happens. Like, this is step by step what's going to go on. Here's how we can help you. Do you have any questions? Like, they were very, very helpful. We got to that antepartum floor, and immediately we meet Dennis. <laughs> okay. So I want to preface this story by saying <laughs> – so, okay. So Dennis is this black guy. He's a nurse. He's a nurse. <laughs> and Dennis is somewhat helpful at the beginning. Um oh. So that the whole idea of going from heaven to hell. So in labor and delivery, the family, me, namely, they give me like a sofa that's got like this pad across it that I can sleep on. Mm-hmm. It pulls out into a nice little bed right. situation. So yeah. I can I can sleep on it. Give me some sheets, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's hospital trash blankets, but it's close enough. But the thing that they switch me to when you get to antepartum is like this. <laughs> it's it's just a uh, armchair that kind of pulls out into this like this painful. I don't even listen. I don't even know how to explain it other than it it was torturous for the next what three four three, days. three more days. Yeah. My body hurt like Yeah, it was no joke. Ached. So the reason why I say I preface this is because Dennis was kind of helpful and then I go to the bathroom <laughs> and I, I go to the bathroom and I come back out I don't know what is going on. I could not hear this conversation through the door of the bathroom. All I know is when I come out and shut the door, my lady is looking at Dennis like he didn't lost his last mind. And Dennis is saying, you right. You right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I should, I, should, I should have gloves on. I was like, see, see, that is not something that should come out of a nurse's mouth. Right. I was like, wait, especially during COVID. Come on. So <laughs> especially during COVID, that was the part that I was like, because I, I was so confused. I was like, what is going on? Like everything was everything was fine when I walked in the bathroom. When I walked back out, it was like, yeah, no, no, no. You right. You right. No, no, no. But you knew I had just handed somebody's ass to them. Yeah. Because of my face. Like, right. I was like, and the way Dennis was skirting around, like, "Oops, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me, I'm sorry, yeah, ma'am, yeah. let me just, yeah, right. yeah, let me get." I was like, so "Let me tell y'all what Dennis did." Dennis, <clears throat> of course, at this point, I have, I, I mean, I just had a C-section, so I'm given, I am given lots of medications to keep me together. So at this time, it's time for my pain medication, and Dennis goes to fix my cup of water. As well as put my pill in the cup to give it to me without gloves on. Like, not a glove in sight, but gonna <laughs> peel the cover off of my medication right. and scoop it into the other cup. Get You know how people grab the cups and they grab the rim of the cup instead of the bottom of the cup? Grab the rim of the cup to put it on the table to pour some water into it for me to drink. To take my medication without gloves on. And I said, Dennis, 
um, don't you think that we you should do that with a pair of gloves on your hand? Right. I said, you know, I understand you're a nurse, but but come on now. Not only are you a nurse, and, and this is a hospital, but COVID is right. going round. Right. Don't you think you need to put a pair of gloves on your hand? Right. And at this point, of course, he's just like, you, you know, like, 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 like Velvet said, scrambling around, saying, "You right? You you right? Yeah, I'm right. Put them gloves on." Right. Dennis, I don't even think Dennis came back in that room a couple more times, but he had gloves on his hand every time he did anything right. from then on out. But yeah, so that was the start. He was the first nurse we had the first night we were in the yeah. on the antepartum floor. After the next day, they take me. Uh, of course, there's all this drama. Oh, oh, let's not skip over the the very first scare. Oh, let's not skip over that. I was like, wait a minute. Are you, you tell that you tell that story because I wasn't right there when it happened. Yeah. So I am holding my newborn, and she is sleeping soundly. Like an angel, looking beautiful. And then out of the blue, like I haven't changed anything. I haven't done anything. Like my hands are holding her head, holding her body and her body. Like one, it straightens out. Like, cause first and foremost, this little girl is like always balled up. Mm-hmm. She she's, always was, even in the womb. She yeah, was always balled up. She's always balled up now. Like mm-hmm. hands, arms, she, they're always close to her body. Her legs are always tucked up. Unless she's upset, mm-hmm. her legs are not normally ever straight. Right. So she has, her body has gone bone straight. Her arms are flailing in every direction. And she is, um, like her head is like shaking back and forth uncontrollably. And I am like, I have no idea what is going on. It, I was so, I was lost. And then luckily again, Dennis, he was helpful. This was, this was pre peel, no gloves, Dennis. <laughs> this was that pre that he, um, he was like, Hey, no, it's no big deal. And and came with the little um, y'all know it's it bulb syringe it's yeah, a, yeah the little thing where you squeeze it and then put the little bulb and then and it just basically sucked like some spit um, because for people that don't know because again I don't know this kind of stuff and they don't really tell you this kind of stuff babies that are born normally vaginally vaginally they have um, the pressure of the birth canal. To push a lot of the fluid out of their lungs. Amniotic fluid, yeah. Whereas the babies that are born C-section don't get that pressure. And so they generally, for at least a couple of days, have this fluid and it has to come out. Unfortunately, it comes out in a very, very uh, violent type of way. Yeah. To where it looks like they are choking to death. And... But after that first one, it, it was it was like, oh, OK, I, I knew what it was. I knew how to, to fix it. But, yeah, that was like, oh, my God, like, wait, what what is happening? She is went from being completely perfect and fine to 
I, I have no clue what I just did, but I think I broke her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's scary. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And we found out, you know, later that the same reaction happens when she has her reflux issues. Yes. Yes. Um, but that's another story for another day. We'll have to have a whole other episode about parenting because Jesus. Ooh, the things we've learned in a month. Um right. so yeah, so um if you hear a, a little noise by the way, that is her snoring. She's kind of <laughs> that little growling noise you hear in the background. That is her snoring her little heart out. She's nice and asleep. Um, but after that, of course, I, you know, I was still on magnesium. And the problem was they had, they had, they had managed to get two IVs in me. I had one in each arm. Uh, somewhere in the between there, uh, the one, um, one of them. I think it was on the, the left one side the went left first side was went went out. My veins were just not accepting any more of anything. Um, they told me that next day that my blood count was low and I was going to need a blood transfusion. Of course, I'm still on the magnesium, so they need they can't run the blood through the magnesium IV. They have to run it through a separate one. Well, the one in my left arm just went out, and they were like, well, we're going to have to find another way to get another IV in you. And I was like, mm, don't know how that's going to happen because y'all have stuck me eight times at this point. So, thankfully, it was probably about an hour before I needed to be off the magnesium. The nurse came in, and she was like, okay, so good news. We're going to go ahead and get rid of uh, the, the magnesium and just push the blood through that IV. So this is like day two of being an antepartum. So um, <clears throat> blood pressure's looking okay uh, and having some issues with, you know, the IVs. But um, but f thankfully they got a blood transfusion in and I'm off the magnesium, starting to get on the mend. It's also time for me to start walking. And let me tell you, uh, the feeling when you first get up after a C-section is like, uh, now I'm thinking, I feel great. I'm not going to have any problems getting up and walking around. <laughs> and I said that. I said that. I was like, oh, this is not going to be a problem. I'm going to feel like walking tomorrow. Man. That's what she said. That's what I said. The minute they told me to swing my legs oh, <laughs> and try to stand up. Mm. Ooh. And the way I had to shuffle my way to the bathroom, it is a feeling unlike any other and i did not expect that feeling um what was the squat because because i oh yeah the the squat seemed like it was like a whole nother separate ordeal from just getting out of the bed yeah so to squat to get to the toilet yeah that to sit down onto the toilet that looked like it was like because, because it's, it, it don't feels, engage the your core right right and it feels like you're your insides are going to fall out of you. Like it, it feels like you're carrying around your insides and your abdomen. Like it feels like if I put my hand up under my abdomen, I can somehow carry all of my organs that way. That's not how this works, but that's the way it feels. It just feels like everything's going to fall out. Right. So, you know, they, they put, you know, one nurse was on each side of me and they basically held me until I could lower myself onto the toilet. The worst. Then, I had to manage to get up. Mm -hmm. 
again, nurses on both sides, basically like I'm standing. And once I finally stand up, I'm still in the squat position <laughs> bent over because I have to somehow get these, get, get the, the underwear and stuff on me with the giant pad and all that stuff. Um, which is, you know, one thing, another thing that I, of course they don't tell you, and I did not know about a cesarean section is that, um, you will still bleed vaginally, um, like you would during a vaginal delivery because it's basically what happens uh, when the placenta detaches from the uterus. It causes you to bleed. And so it's still bleeding from the detachment. So it's still healing and all that stuff. But you'll have blood come out of your vagina from from that. Well, so I had to have pads put on. And, you know, while I'm bent over they had to make sure the pad was in the right position and they had to pull up the giant panties and get me to where I needed to be so I shuffled back to the bed and somehow managed to lay back in the bed and it's just this whole ordeal like I'm just trying to get in and out of bed something that is so natural to me and usual for me feels like it is you know the hardest thing in the world at that point right um, thankfully by day three, I was able to do that without any help. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was hard. It was hard trying to, trying to learn basically how to function after that type of surgery. Right. Um, day three was rough because my blood pressure kept going up and they kept pumping me full of medication. And now the second IV had gone out, um, they kept trying to push some blood pressure medication IV, you know, through that IV and it wouldn't go through. Uh, and my arm had now swollen up because uh, I had, you know, all the fluid kind of collected in one part of my arm because it wasn't going through the vein properly. So uh, they had to remove that IV and now I'm just stuck with like no IV. So any blood pressure medication that they would administer, uh, they now have to administer orally, except they can't push the heavy blood pressure medication to me orally because it doesn't work that way. So uh, I basically tell them, look, y'all better figure out how to give me what y'all need to give me orally because y'all not sticking me again for an IV. Point blank period. What we going to do? So <laughs> eventually, I mean, I had to kind of tell them period this is this is it yeah and and i was determined to go home by day three i was so this is, is this when they brought the the black doctor in from the, mm -hmm. that black lady yeah mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. and she was like i got it uh-huh that's what it felt like it was like let me go in and talk to the black lady yeah because it was like oh jesus because they had sent doctor by the way dr strauss was fantastic he was, I'd seen him in, in the, um, in the OBGYN, uh, in the maternal fetal medicine office, but he was also my surgeon and he was a phenomenal surgeon and he checked up on me and he made sure I was okay. And, you know, helped me understand what was going on, you know, all those things by day three, uh, I had, I had fussed enough, uh, that he probably was like, I ain't going down there to talk to her. So who we going to? Who are we going to send? They sent the one of the black doctors who was also supposed to be in the operating room, but was not. But they sent her to talk to me. 
And she, you know, is explaining all the stuff that I had to go through as far as the magnesium and what it did to my body, as well as all the other things that came with preeclampsia and my high blood pressure and why that is dangerous, right? But I felt like at that point, I just needed to be at home. I needed to be able to take care of my baby. I needed to be able to get out of the hospital and get some air and just, and, and, and stress. They're kind of stressing me out because they're keeping me in this bed. Um, and I'm not, I'm not thriving. I'm not doing well and I need to go home. Um, my blood pressure is, is it's, it goes down fine and then it'll kind of creep back up, but it's not severe, like super high anymore. Um, but they kept giving me meds and eventually I told them I'm going home today. <laughs> you are releasing so my daughter. You're going to release my daughter and you're going to release me and we are both going home. So I don't care what y'all got to do, but y'all need to do it now. So I will say in all of this. So we've had this conversation prior to this episode, um, but I think the biggest thing um is realizing as a as a man being in that environment you have to try to educate yourself as well as you possibly can prior to walking into that environment mm -hmm. because luckily she is vocal enough that it didn't require me to say much mm -hmm. but if she and and I can see she isn't um, an outlier. She isn't like one of one. She is one of thousands that have probably dealt with all of the things that went on in the hospital. Right. And it's like you really um, just being in the room isn't enough. You really need to know what it is that is happening, what is going on, even if that requires you to ask questions because it is very difficult. It was very difficult for me to be an advocate because I don't even know half of what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, the fact that she was able to be vocal and, and and I think that's the other thing is that she's able to be be angry, vocal, but explain why she's angry and vocal as it's just supposed to being like, y'all gonna fix it and you gonna da, 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 da. It's like, no, being able to say, this is what it is. This is, oh, do we want to talk about the dry lips? Yep, that's where I was going next. Oh, okay, <clears throat> okay, okay. Ooh, y'all. Okay, so <laughs> this is why he, he said that because we were just, we noticed that Olivia Grace's uh, lips were getting dry. They kind of were a little chapped and, you know, we had been in a hospital. It'd been kind of chilly, you know, whatever. Um, but we noticed that, it would, you know, they were a little chapped. And so what we wanted to know from the nurse was whether there was something that they had that we could put on her lips. That is what we said to her. Do you have something we can put on her lips? Her response to us was, yeah, you know, that's something we're concerned about uh, with uh, with her, we, we want to make sure she's not dehydrated. Just went into this whole thing about dehydration and newborns. And I said, ma'am, again, do you have anything that we can put on her dry lips? Which was the original question. 
So she scurried off. Uh, and this is, of course, was the last nurse that we had. So she caught everything that I had at that point. Um, so, so she went scurrying off, came back and said, well, no, the, the um, doctor said that we probably shouldn't put anything on our lips. I said, okay, that's fine. So, of course, and of course, we had done our own little Googling and, and, and found what we can put on her lips that we are going to just do when we get out of the hospital. Right. Next thing we know, here comes TB, the, right. the pediatric PA. Right. Asking everybody if they got the mask on mm-hmm. and wanted to know. Uh, she was like, yeah, okay, so we're going to check her out, you know, make sure we can do some discharge papers on her and get her out, get y'all out of here. So, um, so they put her, uh, they did some, you know, ran some tests and everything. And she was like, okay, well, we're going to do a, a, a bilirubin te- a test through her chest just to, you know, make sure that everything's good. And I'm thinking that another, a, another bilirubin test is routine. I'm thinking, you know, this is probably something they do before they release the baby. Please explain to them what a billy, what you so, just said. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, I want to say it's a test, uh, for their liver, uh, to make sure that they don't, don't have jaundice. Uh, I'm, 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 I think I'm halfway right. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, they wanted to make sure she doesn't have jaundice. Um, so they check her, her, bilirubin uh through her test they take a little monitor and put it on her chest and it comes back high now the way they did it before the very first bilirubin test of course they did a prick on her foot and got a vial of her blood and ran tests on it of course she hated that so when the when the pa came back and said well her bilirubin test came back high so we're gonna have to do another blood test that is when I lost it. Um, and actually, you were gone at that point. You were getting food. Yeah. So I let them have it. I said, I don't understand why you guys did a repeat bilirubin in the first place. And they said, oh, because her lips are dry. And we were alerted that her lips were dry. I said, I just asked if there was something we could put on her lips to check and make sure she was all right. I said, so y'all decided to do another test without asking or asking me or telling me that that's why y'all were going to do it. And now we have all these other things that are coming up all of a sudden. Now all of a sudden her skin looks a little yellow. Now all of a sudden you want to yeah. tell me all these other reasons why you decided to do another bilirubin test instead of explaining that to me in the first place. You were just going to do these things to my daughter without even explaining to her mom what what you were doing. Right. And it's like, that's a problem for me. So y'all do this little blood test, but we are leaving here today, period. And I was like, if, if I understand if y'all got to put her up under the lamp because she's got jaundice, and that's what we got to do. But, but I'm not leaving here without her, and y'all better hurry it up. Yeah. I, I said that in so many words. I definitely said y'all better hurry it up. So there they go scrambling, making sure they can get somebody to quickly draw her blood. They come back in, scramble around, draw her blood. Of course, when they ran her blood, it came back normal. She's fine. Like, they did all these things, and it's like, and y'all are getting my blood pressure up thinking something is wrong with her. Right, and there's nothing. And there's nothing wrong with her. Her skin is fine. Like, I've been looking at her. Right. and 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 I know that, like, a lot of people may not know to look at her skin to make sure it's not yellowing, but I have been, I have been looking at her. And if her skin had turned yellow, I would have been like, um, excuse me. There's a problem. There's a problem. Like, uh, you know what though? It's, it's funny. And I wanted to point this out. Um, because we're talking about skin is it. And, and her skin specifically is the, 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 what was that? 
I want to say that was the day that we left mm-hmm. when TB mm-hmm. came in there and attempted to <laughs> wash off. <laughs> this is funny. Attempted to wash off a Mongolian spot from our daughter's back. <laughs> For the people that didn't know what a Mongolian spot is, it is like these little small black dots of pigment mm, that are mark. right that are basically on a child or on on adults as well. But it, it's been there since the beginning, mm-hmm. and so it it did not um, it did not evade me, or I did not miss the 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 irony of it that a white woman is attempting. <laughs> To, to wash black to off. wash black off of a black child, <laughs> I did not miss that. I was like, and she <laughs> and she rubbed like she rubbed and scrubbed and like yeah. with her nail and all that, and it yeah. was like, yeah, it's been there, and yeah. yeah, and she was like, oh that oh oh okay that's a you don't say yeah it's a Mongolian it to be a, a birthmark. Holy goodness, holy goodness. All right, labor and delivery caught that from the beginning, but. Right when they bathed her, when the, they bathed first her time. the first time, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a lovely little birthmark." Yeah. yeah. Somehow, pediatric PA was like, "Oh, that's some dirt." <laughs> no, ma'am, that's not dirt. No. No, ma'am. But that, yeah, like that's melanin. Yeah, ma'am. yeah, but like that's the kind of stuff she would do, and I'm like, "Girl, <laughs> this is it." Period. Yeah. Like I'm not playing with y'all. So. Next thing I knew, they were coming with discharge papers because I was not having it. And they sent me home, of course, with a bunch of medication for my blood pressure so I could I could bring it down at home. Um, but they, they sent us home finally after all of that. After sending us through these issues with Billy Rubin, turned out she was all right. Yeah. And that was it. We went home. And, you know, in, in retrospect, I feel like I probably should have stayed the rest of that day. Um because I just wanted to be home first of all, and I felt like that was best for me, and that's and that is still how I feel. But I know, I know that I, my body, was exhausted, and it's I still did not feel good when I left the hospital. Um, and so you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, and I'm thankful that we went home when we did. Um, but it's you know, it's just a part of the, the process. And it's like, I, I just wish that things could have been different. But at the same time, I'm thankful for how they went because it could have been very different for the both of us. Right. It could have been way worse. Yeah. And I mean, it was one of those things where I said to my mom, we were watching something and they mentioned magnesium. And I was like, ugh, I hate magnesium. My mom turned to me and she said, no, you don't. You really don't. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right because it probably saved me and my daughter's life. It probably saved our lives. Um, it, it was it was hard because it put us in a position where I couldn't let my body do what it would naturally have wanted to do right. to bring her into the world. But it's it probably saved me from a seizure or a stroke and, and which which could have ultimately harmed Olivia Grace. Right. Um so, so you know, I, I am thankful for that, and it definitely puts things into perspective. Um, because while while the experience was difficult at times, it could have been so much worse. And I mean, I know we say that like, oh, well, things could always be worse, and and that's some sometimes it's a harmful way to look at things because your experience is your experience, and when you compare it to somebody else, like, oh, well, it could always be worse. 
it sometimes we negate what we actually go through and we don't right. actually deal with what we went through because we feel like oh well it wasn't this so, so i'm fine yeah you're fine no, it's like no no it, no it, it was bad postpartum depression postpartum but baby blues is a real situation and after having a c-section and having dealt with depression prior to prior to pregnancy and during pregnancy, I knew that I was at risk for postpartum depression. But those baby blues that hit you those first couple weeks and then change into other stuff like postpartum depression and sometimes postpartum psychosis, like that is some real, real drama. I'm sorry, y'all. She is snoring in this microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that is some real stuff. And I felt, I, I realized in, in, in hindsight and in retrospect that that's exactly what that was. I I was in tears, you know, for days, you know, just upset and sad and could not put my finger on why I was sad. Like, there was no real explanation for it. It just felt heavy. Like, everything felt like it felt heavy. Um, and it was hard. It was very hard. And you know, it's, it's stuff that, you know, a C-section is not easy. You know, you didn't, yeah, I didn't have to go through the pushing and I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't granted the privilege of pushing because believe it or not, I, I, you know, I count that as a privilege to be able to, to do that for your body, to be able to do that, to bring forth your baby that way. Um, it is a beautiful thing. And I, and I, I have let go of the feeling of, of sadness that comes with not being able to do that. Um, but it is, it, it is a real feeling that, man, I wish that my body had been able to, to do that for my daughter. And it hurt, it's hurtful sometimes to think that, you know, I couldn't. Um, and I, a lot of, uh, you know, for several things in this pregnancy, I felt like, dang, why me? You know, like, why did I have to have a baby during a pandemic? <laughs> and, you know, why is it that my partner can't be here for any of this? And, you know, why is it that, you know, I felt like that a lot of the times during the pregnancy. Um, but in the end, I have to say, like, uh, ultimately, after all of that, it, it takes time to heal mentally and physically. But ultimately, I am thankful for Olivia Grace being here healthy and whole and and that that is that outweighs any you know anything she's so loud right Um, that that kind of outweighs any feeling um you know uh, and it's it's what's keeping me grounded at the moment it's really keeping me solid thinking you know what you've got a beautiful healthy happy baby which is such a gift and Indeed. It's it's a blessing to have even after the the stress and the turmoil and the hardship that comes with pregnancy and childbirth, especially through cesarean, you know, or or you know, specifically through cesarean in my case, you know, that that I'm I'm thankful for that for that experience in the end and I'm thankful that she is here. I take it. What would you say was the hardest part of it? I think overall, like overarching, the hardest part is not feeling like I had any control over anything. Okay. Um, what would you say would be the the one thing that you would probably 
most thankful for in all of it? I'm thankful for labor and delivery. Uh, and I'm thankful for great health care during my pregnancy because they were vi- like, and I had to be a good patient too. I realized that after, after all of this, that there are patients that don't do things like I did them. I went to every appointment that I was scheduled for every single appointment that I needed to go to. I was there and my mom is a prenatal nurse. So what I, I thought it was bizarre that, some women don't actually go to a doctor during their pregnancy until like week 20, week 30. And they're like, Oh, I guess it's time for me to go see a doctor. And I mean, I I know how healthcare is in America. Like it's not easy, you know, like if, especially for women who've had babies before, if they know they're pregnant, they're like, Oh, I know how this goes. Like, shoot, I don't need to be, I don't need to be at the doctor's office every other week, you know? And, and that's, you know, that's how, Unfortunately, a lot of our healthcare system is set up that way where people don't feel like they can go to the doctor. Um, But in my case, in my particular case, I have, you know, thankfully I have health insurance and because I'm a healthcare worker, my, my health insurance is, is pretty solid. And I was able to go to the doctor as often as I could go. And I took advantage of that. I went to every appointment. Um, But you know, while I was a good patient and did what I needed to do, I had doctors who were on top of me and made sure like I was good. Right. Like every week I was going in there, I was doing a mood test. Like, and they were talking to me about how I felt not like not only how my body was doing, but how I was emotionally handling pregnancy. Right. And so I am thankful for good healthcare workers. There were times where, you know, what they were doing, not necessarily my my um my doctors at the at the um, maternal fetal medicine office or the, or the surgeons or the doctors at the hospital, but some of the some of the nurses kind of bothered me. But you know, I, overall, I had I had some pretty pretty awesome healthcare workers. Gotcha. And I and I'm thankful for I'm thankful that even though uh, it didn't go as planned, that you were able to be there. Right. Yeah. I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the support system I had because you and my mom were able to switch out seamlessly. So I always had somebody there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. I dig it. I dig it. What about you? What was the hardest part? Um, I think the hardest part for me probably was, I mean, but that that's the hardest part for me everywhere at all times. It's, it's you being in pain and me not being able to do anything about it me and or not really knowing what to do not really having um a way like i said to be able to know what to advocate for you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. right not fully understanding every single thing and there, and being thrown into a a situation where it's like um and and I think that was the other issue was it was just that I think covid really really made this like super difficult because I mean if you think about it I mean imagine how many people normally well I mean I can't say normally but knowing what kind of families we come from mm-hmm the the type of people 
that would have streamed through that hospital room. Oh, yeah. How many people would have been there to like, hey, I got it. You know, mom, dad, y'all get some sleep. You know what I mean? It's like that would have. So actually, that's probably the hardest part. It's it's that. Yeah, I was able to get there and it's like and I told you that there wasn't anything in the world that was going to keep me from being there. I just simply called my job and was like, hey, remember that paternity leave? It moved up a week. Sorry. It is what it is. But, but yeah, for me, it it would be that. It would be the fact that there wasn't all of those people. Because um, just a, being able to have your mom there, too. Right. So, yeah, right. okay, I was there. Yeah, I did what I could do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ran and got got snacks out of a vending machine and all <laughs> and all that craziness that that we did while we were right. in there right um ooh, the banchan which was delicious amazing even though as usual she rarely <laughs> she rarely eats all of it and whatever look <laughs> i love her nonetheless <laughs> but either way but yeah but no um but that just, you know, somebody to go get food as opposed to us having to listen, as long as I live, Shasta. Ugh. They gave us Shasta soda in the hospital. y'all. First of all, y'all listen, Shasta, when when you get a soda that is brand new, like <laughs> not years old, this is a fresh off the truck can new, new can that has mm-hmm. not been popped until I popped it and it already has no fizz. It's bad. It's bad. It yeah. was oh, oh. anyway. Um the thing that I think I am most grateful for obviously the, the doctors doing everything that they needed to do, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um I I think I one I'm grateful for you because like you said you did all of these things in preparation and in in the the lead up to it so it it made things a little bit easier um but I would say Sarah 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 was like Sarah the nurse in labor and delivery man man at Chapel Hill at listen Chapel Hill so if it, y'all anybody that might North Carolina you know Sarah she like got a short bob yeah she hey Sarah came through for the kids y'all hear me she like, she was like oh y'all want to play music yeah play. yeah but she was very knowledgeable like and she would kind of undercut Mm-hmm. in a way that is not disrespectful but like the doctors would just kind of because again and 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 I can't be completely angry with the doctors only because like you said the healthcare system is very jacked up in our country oh yeah it's tough up and so it, it it we're not really people we're just numbers in every way every every part of treatment is protocol this is protocol like not necessarily this is an individual patients these are the numbers on the page and so this is how we treat these numbers on the page right right and so regardless that i may not that may not be my situation 
because this happened. It's almost like gates, you know, this room, this thing filled, this gate fills up. Okay. This is what we do next based on the fact that this gate filled up without ever really being like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I don't need that. Maybe that, yeah, it's without, but she would step in and kind of be like, you know what? No, we're not going to do that. Yep. We're going to do this. Yep. And then I'm going to go tell the doctors that this is what what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, well, the doctor said that you got to do that. It's like at some point you have to and have somebody that is on the inside be the advocate. And she definitely was that. Absolutely. To where we got it. We understood. Okay, dad, this is what you're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. This is what's mm-hmm. going to happen next. Like she explained all the way out from the moment they left the room to say like, okay, dad, put this outfit on. I'm, um, once we get her prepped and everything is ready, we'll send somebody to come get you, bring you to the operating room. Blah, 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 blah. Like she was on point to the, to such a level that it was like, okay. I felt comfortable at that point because at that point it was like as much as we hated the way that they handled every other part of it. It's like at this point, okay, a C-section is what's happening. So we have to accept it because we can't wait any longer. She helped us cope. Right. Cope with the fact that it's not going to go the way we thought it was going to go. Right. And so, so yeah, I think those are the things that I'm probably the most thankful for. Um, And that more than anything that you came out of it and you may not have come out of it exactly. You came out of it alive. Right. That was like, for me, like, knowing the statistics, knowing all of the different things, knowing high risk and all of that. And then think about that. It's like all the the statistics of black women dying in hospitals that are healthy. During childbirth. That that are fine and then die in a hospital. It's like, and you have all of these pre, like, you know, these things. And then it's like, but no, you you made it out in and again, I don't say in one piece because I realize that there is such a process, like she said, there is such a process to this, and then it's like, and then you got you're trying to heal physically, you're trying to heal emotionally and mentally, and I got a baby that's screaming at me, yep, so yeah, like, man. And and I feel like that is probably the biggest reason why we did this episode was because people need to know that it one that it's okay to talk about it, not just to 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 in and not a Facebook thing, mm-hmm. but a talk to the your significant other, talk to the other person because while she was feeling one thing, I'm feeling something too. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're both devastated. And there were moments where it was like, we were clashing against each other. And the reality is like, yo, we're not, this is, 
where it shouldn't be fighting against each other because it's it's this situation in this system that has us feeling a certain way and that's the thing that we should be unified together against that not against each other right because yeah yeah i think the thing the, the thing that was said in our, in one of our heated moments were was you were saying to me why am i acting like i'm in this by myself and i said to you i'm acting like somebody who just had surgery to bring a baby right into the world right and it was like you were feeling like i was coming at you or like i forgot that you were there or that i forgot that you were part of the process and that I neglected your feelings. That wasn't it at all. It was like, I'm just trying to handle my, the thing that is in front of me that I am dealing with. Right. Like, you know, period. Like I, and it wasn't even like it had been, I was still in the hospital bed. Like it wasn't even, I hadn't even really been able to process what had just happened. Like, you know, And, and it was like, I'm not coming at you for anything. Like I'm not coming. It, at, it's not even right. like that. It was just, can I, can I deal with what is directly in front of me right. at the moment? Yeah. And it, it's hard. Like, it's just, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of mothers probably feel like if they feel like me feel like they have to handle everything and, you know, and it's not like, like they have to. It's just like that's the way they feel. Right. And so when they are presented with something that seems like it's, I can't tackle it. Like I can't, I can't tackle this. I, I need to be able to, to deal with this, and then also deal with everything else around me. It becomes overwhelming. It's just, right. it, it's a lot to handle. Um, but I will say, I think your fear and my fear was the same thing. I told my doctor from the very beginning when I went to go see the maternal fetal medicine doctor, my greatest fear is that I will not make it out of childbirth alive. Period. Right. And she was like, and, and she said, how often? And I saw actually one of the uh, one of the other things I forgot to mention this. One of the other things that I am most thankful for was that I had a therapist during my pregnancy. I am so thankful for my therapist, who was also named Sarah. Sarah uh, Sarah Griffin, I think, uh, is an amazing therapist. She helped me during my during my pregnancy and and getting through the psychological issues that I you know experienced. But she asked me, "How often do you think about dying in childbirth?" I said, "Every day, every day, almost every, all day, every day." And she said, y- "Yeah, no, that's you know we need to tackle that." Um, but that was, she helped me, you know, to, to cope with it. Um, but that was, that was my greatest fear is that, you know, I would lose her or I would not be here, you know, after, after trying to, to give birth. So, um, it is, yeah. And it's, and it's a reality for too many women, you know, that, that they don't make it out of the hospital alive. Right. Far too many. And I, for me, I think the, the, my biggest fear in that was what do I do now? Especially it's like, because it's hard for me to even think about if I lose both of them, like, yeah. And it's weird because in a way it's like, well, well really you're free and clear, but it's like, am I though? That's not really free and clear. That's like a weight heavier than mm-hmm. 
than parenthood is. That's like way heavier. It's like because not only did you lose your child, and you you don't even have the person that you lost it with to even be there to go through those emotions to like you know what I mean to tackle any of that Mm -hmm. you literally are just you and then uh, for me the other fear was if her mom is gone it's like what am I like what you know what I mean Mm because it's like it doesn't matter how much money I make right it's how do I function and take care of this child like what like how am I and I and it's weird because I see dudes that you know are single dads and that's fine, and it's generally because they they the 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 mother just decided to walk off, or something like that. It's generally I have rarely seen it where it's like they're a widow and it's like, and you're like, well, whoa, what what am I what do I do now? Mm-hmm. I got a newborn. I work twelve hour shifts. Mm-hmm. What? what? <laughs> yeah. How am I supposed to make that that happen? Work? Yeah. It it was it was so much, but at the end of it, it it was, and or and there really isn't an end yet, and, and there probably won't be one until I'm not here anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at this point, it's like every day trying to make sure that the things that I do support what you do. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, like I said, the always, no matter how you're feeling about what it is you're doing, making you remember that one, (laughs) one, she is only, she isn't even two months yet. So thinking that somehow, like, what is the problem? Is there something wrong? It's like, no, she's two months, not even two months. And she has no idea how to tell us what's wrong or what she needs or what's going on. Because, it, I mean, like earlier, perfect example of that. We have this baby that will not take the bottle, will not take a pacifier, and is con solable and we're like what is wrong Mm -hmm. and then we hear her fart (laughs) and then the next thing you know she back to sleep again and you're like that was what it was was was. he just had gas girl wow okay okay i'm like i I have had some painful gas bubbles and all that but that was it and it's realizing that as a as adults as people who can actually voice what's going on, we just kind of groan or we don't say anything. We just kind of, kind of, you know, we know that our stomach is bothering us. So we just, "Mm, okay. Like we we might get quiet, you know, kind of handle tackle what was going on, but she can't do that. (laughs) She can't do that. She's got to, she, she hollers out. That's how she, how she copes. And that's the, and also that is the only way for her to currently communicate. Yeah. Is to, I don't really know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. But some don't feel good. But there's a problem. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm wet. I, I got I, a gas bubble. I'm I got sleepy. a gas bubble. I'm sleepy, mm-hmm. and and it's funny. I don't know how many times I have to say to her, "Hey, 
There is no party <laughs> happening when you fall asleep. <laughs> and then it's like she all of, it's like even though she doesn't know our language yet, it's almost like she understands what I just said because then she'll be like, okay, all right. And, and, okay, I'll go to bed. Right, and relax. Like, yeah. It's like, hey, relax, lady. There is no party happening. There is three people here, me, you, and your mama. And I promise you, when you go to sleep, the last thing we want to do is party. Yep. We want to go to sleep too. Period. That's all we want to do. I just sleep. I just want to sleep. sleep. (laughs) But yeah, but uh, like I said, I I think that, like I said, for this episode, like I just thought, yo, y'all should have the conversations. You should. I pray that you can find somebody in your life that you can have these type of conversations with not just on a podcast but because we've had this conversation multiple times already and then just decided to make an episode out of this (laughs) well i i knew there was no way that that this one over here was not going to make sure that she got onto the podcast but yeah, it's to have somebody that is dope enough that they are willing to tackle things, emotions, and situations together. Cause it 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 this isn't easy by no stretch of the imagination. And I'm and I think to myself, and we've talked about that. Imagine trying to do this at 16 or 17. Because that's one thing the pediatrician said to us. The first appointment we had, she said, and I'm thankful for her word. She said, think about this. 19-year-olds do this. Right. She's like, you can do this. You can be parents. It's okay. Right. 19-year-olds do it. And I was like, whoo, okay. Exactly. And yeah. And I, I mean, and on another note, and I know like we're, we're talking, but on another note, it gives me, and, I, and I've, I've experienced some things, especially over the past year or so, and talking to my mom, um, just just being pregnant and the conversations we've had while during my pregnancy. But it, this experience has given me an, an even deeper appreciation for my mother because she was 16 when she had my older brother. And I just cannot imagine being a 16 year old and going through what she went through. Right. And, and I mean, there are details that I just can't, that are unspeakable to me and I can't really divulge them, but she was, she was alone. Um, in, in a lot of what she went through and I am so grateful for her and, and her strength and, you know, and, and living through that and, right. you know, becoming who she's become. And it just, it gives me that much more appreciation for my mother. It just really does. Indeed. Yeah. It it you know what? It's funny that you say that because my mom had Jada at seventeen. Yeah. And did the exact same thing. Like not necessarily alone, but definitely had to do a lot of growing up really, really, really quickly. 
Right. Yes. Super quickly. And the funniest thing, I, the reason why I know uh, <laughs> is like being able to admit to your mother that. So when I was a kid, my mom used to always bump me in my sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> from, and, and, and I would wake up and, and I would look around and she'd be like, and she would call my name and bump me. But then like when I woke up, she would be like, oh, never mind, never mind. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. And I would go back to sleep and I'd be like, why are you doing that? And I never could understand it until Olivia Grace. And sometimes she's not breathing like hard enough for me. Like right now (laughs) she's snoring. So, you know, she's breathing. But there are so many times where she's just kind of like laying there and I can barely see her back like rise and fall. And so I'll like nudge her just on purpose. Hey, just just real quick. And then she'll like <laughs> shift around, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right, you you, you, good. you good. All right, I'm gonna leave you alone. You, you fine." Mad we, annoying. Daddy's annoying. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get it. Listen, uh, yeah, yeah. You would I need to make sure I need to check on you, girl. Listen, yeah. and this is the thing: I may be mad annoying, mm-hmm. but would you rather me be the man that? Is, oh, I'd is, rather you. I'd rather you nudge her. Yeah, yeah. Then be the dude that. What? She hasn't been breathing for three hours. Yeah, no. Oh, no, Jesus. Nope, nope, Dude. nope. I'd rather you nudge her. It's yo. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it, any parting words? Any Anything that, Anything uh, you could add? I just want to, you know, encourage parents. I don't have, I mean, I'm brand new to this. I don't really have. Some profound, any profound, but I, I just want to say that your experience is your experience, and you know, it may have been hard. It may be hard right now, and it may seem like <laughs> it is never ending. You know, right now it feels like she will. Right now it's funny because I know she's two months, not even two months, and it still feels like she will never grow out of this. And I know she will. Like eventually. She will be at a place where she'll sleep through the night. And, you know, like, I know that will happen eventually. It's just getting through this. But I just want to say that um, parents, you guys are wonderful. And I know that a lot of you are out here doing the absolute best that you can to take care of your children. And that is um, that is something that should be applauded. And um, for me as a daughter, um, I am thankful for my parents and Um, what they have done to make me the woman that I am. So uh, all the work that you are doing, parents, is not in vain. It may be hard, but it's worth it. I I have a feeling that it is very much worth it. All right. Okay. I'm trying to think. Do I have anything I could add to that? Not really. (laughs) I, I mean, like I said, I, my mother knows, like, I tell her as often as I possibly can, seeing as she's the only one that I have left. Um, my dad died in 2000. Um, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> this one in the snoring, <laughs> right. But, but the, the reality of it is, is that like, yo, there is so much that you have done poured into me decisions that you made not knowing the outcome not knowing what it would lead me to but just knowing that 
you know what I mean? It's like knowing to pour good things into me, but not knowing how they would, they go manifest themselves or, mm-hmm. but, and, and also being able to be honest with me to say like moments where like, yo, no, we were dysfunctional. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like not, not trying to be let off the hook, being able to just say like, look, this is what it is. But we did what we thought was best at the moment. Right. I mean, my mama was 21 when she had me. Yeah. She she already had another child that was four. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she just got married. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, a lot. That's a, that is. That a, is a lot. <laughs> Oh, my God. On top of that, she's in nursing school. So going to school full time and working at the hospital full time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. My God. Trying to make all of that work Mm -hmm. at 21 is like, so I I would never, ever, um, there is never a day that that goes by that I am not thankful for her, thankful for her continued health yeah oh my goodness yes yeah. yes her, yes 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 her continued health mm-hmm. um man the fact right. that she is you know even when i don't really feel like hearing what she got to say she still dropped jewels and and stuff even still willing to pour into right it. yeah so yeah I, I am appreciative i am thankful um man especially all the parents that are are grinding it out right now that are are working on two three hours of sleep, yo, we salute you. We feel you. Um, yeah, yo, work a twelve hour shift and then turn around and come home and and try to take her off her hands so that she can rest because it, it like listen, so it's still trying to recover, y'all. Still it is so much. Yeah, and so yeah, it we absolutely salute you. So. To get to the thing that we talked about at the beginning, for those that um, actually were paying attention and are here at this moment, our anniversary is September 27th. 2019. Yeah. So that is our anniversary. Um, Our daughter was supposed to be born on September 26th, 2020, but obviously you know, things didn't work out that way. She came a little early, but I am grateful for her. So with that being said, uh, either hit Karen Lee up at the queen underscore KL queen is spelled K W E E N underscore KL on Instagram. And you can reach me at black velvet HD on Instagram as well as Facebook. And again, let us know when was our anniversary date and we will do a raffle. Matter of fact, we'll do it in December. Sounds good. We'll give people enough time. So December 1st will be the day of the raffle and we will decide. Um, we will pick the names of the five people that will receive. Um, and you can actually request whether you want a T-shirt or you want a book. That's a good idea. Yeah. So you let me know which one you want um, and give me your, your your information and I can ship one out to you and make sure that, you know, you get it. With that being said. Um, and we 
want to see that stuff too. Like when you get when you get your um prize, right. you want to see like a photo on Instagram or right. something like the way know, y'all be stunting with out. everything else. Yeah, like give a little shout out so you know we can get more listeners. I mean, honestly, like you know, there's a little one here, and uh, and like a lot of you, um, on a on a real personal note, there are things that like Velvet and I would like to do um, creatively. Right. That hopefully would be able to sustain us in our in in life. Um, it is difficult to work a nine to five, which we know a whole lot of y'all are doing. Right. Uh, uh, working a nine to five while having creative aspirations. Um, so it is it's it's a little hard <laughs> sometimes. Um, but what we want to be able to do is work those creative aspirations and fully live in those creative aspirations. Um, and so what that requires is more listeners to something more comfortable, the black velvet experience. And Indeed. Um, the only way that happens is by, you know, you guys helping us out and putting that out there um, that you listen to the episode and that you enjoyed it and your feedback and let us know what, what you like hearing. So even though, you know, I'm, this is your thing, but I'm just trying to like, yo, Hey y'all, what y'all think? I think I'm going to keep her. <laughs> I think, I think that I'm going to keep her. She listen, y'all can as y'all can probably tell, she is way better at all of that. I'm I'm the I can talk I can talk all day, but she is way better at at the you know making sure to touch all the other points and all that. So yes, please take a photo, shout us out, let yeah. us know. You know what I'm saying? When you get your shirt, if you get your book, you know what I'm saying. The same way that you post everything else on Instagram, Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Post that. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't, just take this opportunity, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> just because we're asking. You, you know? know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we're nice. Yeah, just this time. <laughs> just this time. And then, honest, and, and then that's the other thing. I, before I get out of here, I would be remiss to say that we are getting close to a thousand downloads. And like I said, Woo-hoo. the only way to get to a million is 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 the the slow roll so yo we got to get to a thousand so i appreciate everybody that is listening everybody that sends feedback all the people that that give ideas for new episodes we will tackle right yeah that's really cool you know what i'm saying we will try to tackle all of that stuff in the future again apologize for the, the the tardiness of this this episode for october or, or really it's supposed to be two episodes for October, but I apologize for the tardiness again, trying to um, raise a child and deal with the fact that my family essentially is like living halfway across the country. And then all of that stuff has been very, very difficult. So we are very appreciative of you. We thank you. The fact that you have listened to us, for two hours, we are so appreciative. So with that being said, um, we want to say um, thank you, blessings to everybody, and we will talk with you later. Thanks.